Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 279 of the Sausage Factory. Welcome! It's the summertime. Yay! At least at the time of releasing this podcast. And uh, I'm hopefully having a lovely time of it, perhaps, considering. And uh, in this episode, I'm talking to Chris Dawson of Robot Squid about their open-world crustacean combat game King of Crabs now during this interview I didn't actually bring up the issue of giant enemy crabs that are historically accurate as in accordance with the the, the infamous Sony press conference from many years ago Uh, but no that never actually came up at least I don't remember but I do know that other far more interesting things came up in this show and I'd highly recommend you listen on So without further ado, let us pass on to me from the past. Chris, please do entertain. Chris. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? I am Chris Dawson and I am co-founder and designer from Robot Squid, which is an independent games studio based in London. Hmm. So a bit of a local thing, because I'm also based in Den London's, the big smoke, as people call it. Uh, the vast, vast metropolis that is Den London's. Um, so, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Well, if I can remember correctly... <laughs> um, Go as far back as you like. 150, no, um, <laughs> 20 years ago, 20 years ago to this year, because I was thinking about it, um, mm. 20 years ago, it sounds an awful long time, especially when you're talking about computers and computer games. Uh, one of my college friends started to get into it, and then um, I realised that there was an industry around games, which I thought was strange. I thought they all just came out of Japan and the odd shed here and there. Um, but no, there turned out there was an industry and, uh, it sounded like a very interesting, uh, career to at least explore. Um, cause I was from an art background. I got a job, at, um, started working at, um, two or three in, um, startup companies doing, doing the artwork and, um, and learned a lot, learned a lot from people's mistakes and the chaos and all the rest of it. And then started to branch out more on my own and other people setting up my own companies. Okay, in the 2000 then, that's basically where you talk about, 1999, 2000, something like that that period? Yes. Fascinating period, because I was writing and scribbling away way back then too. Uh, even then, I remember my first E3 was 2000. That's when I saw the PS2 for the first time. And exciting. For I mean, it's a bit of an understatement because that machine is and was very important. So, were you involved with that side of things? Is that what you saw the the launch of that machine and the Dreamcast and all that kind yeah, of hubbub? Yeah, they It was a good time. Uh, lots of kind of small to mid medium sized companies around, um, still getting by. Um, the, as you said, the PlayStation Two had just come out, and that was massive. Um, my second job was actually with a company called Alexia Studios. I don't even remember them. They did a game called Republic the Revolution, much hyped. Um, oh, yes, yes. Much hyped. I don't think it sold that well. And that's that's where I spent, I think, about four years in the early 2000s. And I learned a lot there mm. from other people. And um, it was a good good crowd. It wasn't very successful in the end, but it was a good... It was a good starting point, I suppose, for uh, for my career in games. So uh, it was a good good fun time. Um, and then um, 
And because the budgets were going up, I suppose, of games, because the team's getting bigger, the, the hardware was getting more sophisticated, it was, it was hard to start your own thing like it is now. Um, so uh, that's part of the reason why we, we started to be one of the early, uh, early people into the, the mobile games area, which, which at the time was kind of laughed at. Well, it's uh, so it's, fragmented, it's, wasn't it? Uh, it was, it was yeah. probably too early we started it, around 2005. Mm. Um, but at least, it, at least we got our foot in the door. Yeah. Because there's two years before the iPhone. It was 2007, that's when it, it came it out. Was, it, was two, it was two years before the iPhone, so you're talking like, you know, Sony Ericsson's, Nokia's, Blackberry, Nightmare. Nightmare it was. Mm. Um, but the, I think a lot of the discipline... Uh, we've got now as game designers came from that period where you were working with very, very low-grade hardware and you were trying to get the best out of them. And I think there's a lot to be said for going back to almost like um, you know early 90s, 80s-style computing power to try and make a game work on a small screen. Um, so I think a lot... I think I look back at that period, yes, we, we, we went into it too early, but we, we learned a lot before it all exploded in the advent of the iPhone. Yeah. And then other smartphones, but Android and uh, iPhone, that was that, and the iOS and Android. It's the formative years, two epochs, isn't it? 2000, that's when the PlayStation 2 arrived, optical media was even, you know, DVDs arrived, and then the 360 appeared, and you got indie games arriving on consoles, that was unheard of. And just at the same time, you had iOS. And, uh, yeah, 2007, 2008, people don't remember. They think it's like, oh, it's three or four years ago. No, no, it's 12. <laughs> it was like the, I mean, I, I'll i be honest, I, I've never really done like traditional console game uh, development. But yeah. for, for me, it was like the Big Bang. We were like in it for three or four years before it exploded. So we were in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And we'd already learned from a load of our mistakes. And uh, so we, we were ready to to get to, to be in the uh, the initial group of developers that that were head fast into that new new platform which people were starting to take seriously not among the gaming community but it was starting to take seriously um, in terms of the potential at least yeah and there's been some fantastic choice titles on that platform I mean Alto's adventure account is one of the best games I've ever played threes everyone take a drink. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but I mentioned threes, one of my favourites, and um, uh, Hex Super Hexagon. I still like what Terry Kavanagh did with that. It's um, a classic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't know if you noticed, but they ported it to Commodore 64, and it works fine. It's a little bit slow, but it's fine. <laughs> um, I mean, it's like a, it, it's a platform. I'm like, I, I, yes, there's no control pad. Um, no, but it's you can still make really good games. Yes. Um, on that on on the mobile platform, I think people have proved that over the years. Um, they're never going to be liked by everyone, um, mm. especially more hardcore gamers. But they do they do well at what they do. Um, yeah, yeah, casual um, gaming. Absolutely, but I still think, like I said, the ones I've just listed uh, are you know timeless and um, Cannibal, for example, that started off the Infinite Runners, and that was that. You know, it's a it's great games, but they, then they are they're simply you know tap and very the skill there the skill based, and it's fine. Yeah, and the more the, Twitch based skill based ones definitely they, they they suit the the devices really well. And the short period of time that you play them on, just the, the big sweeping arc RPGs and that kind of thing, they've been tried and some are more successful than others. But I generally prefer those on iPad, for example. In fact, many games are actually just designed for the iPad for that reason. Like, it's a bit of a chunky one. Here's throw it on the iPad and be fine. So, I mean, you could. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. Right. No, 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 no. Um, I was just uh, going to go on to the dreaded third question now. Uh, unless you want to talk more. I mean, you basically, this is what brought us up to date, really. You've been working on, on mobile titles up to, to date. Um, and, yeah, I've. Yeah. I've I've been basically working on mobile titles for the last 15 years. Yeah. And it's been interesting how it's gone through different cycles and you're probably looking objectively going, well, where's it going now? You probably have an idea. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting place. But 
the, the machines, the, the phones are just getting ridiculous now, aren't they, for you? So it's like, you, if you told yourself 10 years ago that you'd be working on the devices that we use now, you'd be like, surely not. <laughs> no. I think um, I think it was predictable they were going to get more powerful. I think, to be honest, though, the, the power and the graphics capabilities have plateaued in the last few years because mm-hmm. the, the battery... Um, the battery duration is the number one thing people are after. So um, manufacturers are quick to uh, to cut the uh, the graphics chips down because um, yeah. obviously they're bat- they're very battery intensive, and not many people play full 3D games on mm. phones. So they it, it it isn't super brilliant. I mean, if you've got an iPhone 11, great, you can still do pretty good stuff on there. Um, that's the top top end. Um, but then you've got still budget phones being made for all countries around the world for $50 and they're like the equivalent of what you'd got maybe uh, 10-15 years ago in terms of graphics power so you still got to make, make the game work really well on the, the high end and obviously support as many of those budget devices as you can if you want if you want enough market share yeah, um, yeah. I know it's dull that. it's dull it's boring but <laughs> so that's part of the, the game design is to try and make a game which is is scalable mm. um, so that's... you get the most out of it of a good phone but it still runs on a on a terrible phone yeah because <laughs> I was playing uh, King of Crowds on my iPhone because I have iPhone 11 Pro and uh, for reasons it's a lovely phone it genuinely is and uh it did, it, it, yeah, it, it was fine with it. Of course, it was. <laughs> you didn't aim it at that machine. It's just like, oh, well, if you've got something like that, it's just going to fly. And it did. And there was no hitches, no stagger, no frame rate, nothing issues, nothing. It's like, yeah, it's as fluid as you like. Of course, it was. Of course, it was. that's a relief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, there's a reason why I have that that phone. That why I have it. That I mean, that's just. You know, it just makes life easier when you have a phone that's flying, that's fluid like that. You know, if you can afford it, which I can, then I do. So um, it just makes life easier when it's a, a, a machine that's just extremely reactive. It almost predicts what you're about to do, which is a little bit scary, but let's not go there. <laughs> Next question. Ready? I'm <laughs> well, you... 100% ready. Yes, okay, here we go. Um, as a creator of things that is... And I'd like to, for you to answer this one as, as, you know, representing Robot Squid. Um, what are your biggest influences, do you believe? Game from the games world or just in general? Or? Just, you create stuff. You obviously create games. That's what you do. What do you think is your... What, just, what do you influences you as a creator? What drives I mean, you? personally... Yeah. I just... My personal brand is find um, the dark humour in stuff and slightly obscure stuff um, and stuff in popular culture and spoof them um, and kind of package them up into games where you kind of think something's familiar, but it's it's you don't know why. And you think you might have seen bits and bobs before in movies or games or just in general in real life and then re- repackage them and try and make a game out of it so, so everyone can have at least some connection to the game whether it's a creature or just something you've seen yourself or something you've seen in a in a movie that's, that's generally the way I work okay so you lifted some reference and you go I'll get that and that draws the person to to what you created, which is fine, but also yeah, I, I it, think so. I, I try to I think two two abstract concepts where someone's got it. You you kind of like where you create a whole new universe, and people got to kind of learn your. I, I I try and draw from reality more than some other game designers. Yes, as demonstrated by King of Crabs, because they're crabs. Everyone, they're gen- they're not. Weird, crazy crabs. They're just crabs. Various sizes and shapes and and they also work side walk sideways. They're they're crabs. They're not cartoon crabs. They're actual crabs. <laughs> yeah, I mean we, we follow like we like to take something and reproduce it fairly authentically. So there's a plausibility there. So the the crab itself 
as you said, it walks sideways, which is a bit of a pain for a game designer because people want to be walking front ways. Yeah, I know. Because it's a bit weird. But it's weird when, yeah, it's weird when you start playing, you just go, well, of course, it's crab. (laughs) If you concede that, then you've kind of lost a lot of what the crab is in the first place. Yeah. Um, But if you kind of preserve all them, you study, study the subject matter and you get that authentic and they're in a fairly authentic base environment, then you can start layering on the crazy stuff, and you've, got, you've built a good foundation. People accept that, yeah. and then you can start laying on more foundations of craziness, like crazy weapons or whatever, more ab- abstract stuff, mm. and then people just generally accept that because they see that you've gone to the trouble of creating the main thing in the game. Yeah. Authentically, if that makes any sense. No, I mean the best. The best surrealism. It starts off with, "Oh, this is fairly straightforward." Is it? Oh, what's with the giraffe? What's that about? And then, then you know, it's like, there's this like, serene sort of forest scene, and then the giraffe walks on with a blue hat on. Like, wait, what? Exactly. And this is like, I, I, I was started off thinking it was something beautiful forest glade, and next minute, giraffe hat, and that was talking to me. All right, okay. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, it's like if you get too crazy too quickly, people yes. go, "Oh, it's just you know, it's just a designer just chucking anything and just mucking about." So um, yeah. it's good to have a, a a world where people get the basic rules and then slowly layer in the kind of fun stuff, if you like, mm. on top. Universe is pretty crazy as it is. You don't need to add yet more to it. Or maybe you do. I don't know. Right. Well, that's the great response. Reality itself. Ground your games or things that you make in reality, and you'll go a long way, as Chris has demonstrated. So, and not being patronised, it's it's true. It's a great response. Um, here we go. Next one. Fourth question, also dreaded by some. What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? Oh, um. Well, boring response would probably be obviously Nintendo uh, over the year yeah it's been up and down but well they, you know, we forgave them for Wii Music didn't we didn't we I don't they know. for me I mean they're one they're one of the, my obviously when I was growing up it was one of the main there's no other company that's created the magic of gaming more than them or even come close over the years it's like you play a Nintendo game. Yeah, they've done some duffers over the years, but generally it's been... You, you play a Nintendo game and you're into, they enter you into a world where you can escape and everything's beautifully crafted and nicely done and et cetera, et cetera. Great character designs. and you, They transport you into a, a different place. And I, So Nintendo and then for more tradi- traditional games, I think... Um, I think Rockstar, you've got to say something about them. I like the whole, which is one of my influences as well, the whole chaotic, chuck-it-all-in mentality and let the player run run riot and do what they want to do. Um, they've kind of pioneered that over the last 20 years. So, um, so yeah, I'd say those two, if you wanted, like, the two different types of gaming, uh, I'd say between those two, they're... You can see why they've been so successful and uh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of respect to them. That's the fantastic response. I just realised that Nintendo learnt a bit from Rockstar and vice versa because Nintendo did Breath of the Wild, which is an open world Zelda, which people thought, that never work. Oh, but it did. Well, that's true. I think <laughs> everyone looks around at what everyone else is doing. Yeah. You don't live in a bubble. If you do, then you... Odd things can happen. Sometimes gems can appear, but often not. Um, no, it's a question of people looking around and seeing, like, oh, that worked. Maybe we can incorporate part of that, or maybe that type of game could be something mm. we focus on, Nick, because it was popular. But there's there's always that going on, and it's it's healthy as long as it's yeah. as long as it's influenced rather than copying. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm fully, you know, I confess I'm playing a lot of Animal Crossing because it's therapeutic. It's just, you know, you don't have to think that much. There's not a lot of stress going on apart from what are my turnip prices today? Oh, God, they're even worse than yesterday. 
but generally, it's it's a. It's very, good for your mental health, isn't it? Animal Crossing. It is, it is, and uh, going to other people's like you know islands and giving them an apple to plant in the ground, which I have done. Um, you know, makes their life better. Apparently, they didn't have any apples, so I gave them one. There you go. Done a bit of spreading the joy of fruit. <laughs> so, uh, and they gave me a hamster in response, which is lovely. So there you go. It's all, it's all it doesn't all have to be about violence, does it? No, no. Unless it's, um, you know, against Tom Nook when there's money laundering family. But other than that, it's fine. <laughs> Um, in all seriousness, no, fantastic answer. And I actually saw someone streaming GTA 4 the other day. That game was amazing. I forgot how amazing it was. Um, yeah, some of the animations they did on that was just astonishing. And it's 12 years old, that game, I think. Oh, that was amazing. You wouldn't want to work on them, but... <laughs> no, no. We all know the stories about that. Them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you've got to respect them and the craftsmanship we put in and the effort. Right, Absolutely. last question of the first half. Ready? And then we can go on to the meat of the show. Uh, this is a podcast about video games, so I'm legally obliged to ask you, Chris, this question. What are you playing right now? What am I playing right now? Well, I, I'd be honest, I'm, I'm more of a casual gamer. I know it's not... A cool thing to say, but um, yeah, I, I dabble. I, I download probably 20 30 games a week on mobile and other platforms to see what's going on. I don't mm. usually stick around long, but I like to. Anything that sort of piques your interest that you think needs to be shared with our lovely audience? Um, new like games that people don't often play. Just something you're playing right I now know, that I, you find is I like, oh, I've played a good. game called. I found a game called Crossout, which is a free-to-play game on Steam. It's like a it's set in like a post-apocalyptic Mad Max-style world, which has never been done before, by the way, in the world. No, it's very odd, very never. unusual. Never, no. And you um, you drive around in crazy Mad Max-style cars with guns and spikes on them, and uh, shooting other cars with. Spikes on them. Spikes on them. <laughs> I find that quite uh, therapeutic. Yeah. Is um, it it's called, vehicular? Yeah, it's in- called Crossout. Crossout. And vehicular, there's a word, combat is difficult. You know, when Twisted Metal got it right, I guess, didn't they? I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of that one. but It's fairly like difficult because you're yeah. controlling something at high speed and trying to control the guns at the same time. And, yeah. But I quite like that challenge. Uh, and you can build your own... Cars with guns and spikes mm. on them in yeah. different configurations. So it's right in this unusual world of post-apocalyptic. I think we yeah. And um, I remember Interstate seventy six. Actually played that recently. Is that that was um, yeah. That was it's a similar sort of thing, but set in uh, not the seventies with no. um, with Dukes of Hazzard cars. Yeah, I remember that. It ran like a like a, only just about. I think it ran on about. 10 frames a second but it was quite quite addictive so uh, yeah yeah Pentium yeah I've got uh, I've got like a refurbished sort of like Windows 98 machine I was running on that it had a 3D effects card in it or has one oh and you it, were lucky you yeah, were one of the lucky ones I was I was playing Tomb Raider and oh it was beautiful everyone's banging on about Tomb Raider going yeah it's great and everyone's going to the Playstation game and I'm going no oh no no this is a PC game and it looked amazing <laughs> It really, really did, and uh, I was well aware of how uh, how privileged I was seeing it in this in this in this way. Um, no, no warping textures. It was just oh, good lord! It was a massive jump up when those 3DFX cards started to come in. Yeah, yeah, good times. But uh, yeah, I have to check that out. Anything else? Do you think you need to to share with others before we move on well, to the I... second half? <laughs> I downloaded uh, download quite a few games for research, and one of, the, one of the games that's been doing quite well is called, a game on mobile called Headball 2, which is quite a bizarre game, but it was doing really well, so I was like, what, what's so great about it? It's like weird, it's like a giant, there's two goals, it's like a Twitch-based thing, you've got to shoot a football between you to score, it's mm. real-time multiplier, 
It's like giant footballers' heads on a football boot. And I thought, why is this doing so well? And I played it, I got sucked in. It's, <laughs> <laughs> there's something compelling about it. There's yeah. something really uh, addictive about it, trying to beat the other player with this like physics ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, you describe Rocket League to people and go, that's a terrible idea. And then you play it. <laughs> and you go, oh, it's not. No, it's not terrible. It's very, very good. So but that's yeah. another one that on paper it just does not work at all, and then no. you start playing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I can see why it's done well. I um I can't fly in that game yet. I know I see players. I don't know how you're doing that. How are you flying like that? I just they stay in the air basically most of the time. It's incredible. But yeah, when you see people really know how to play that game, play it's it's a sight to see, Chris. It's a sight yeah, to it's see. It's impressive. Yeah, that's a real sport. Yeah. It's a real sport now. People take it seriously. Yeah. Um, I just dabble, but yeah. Um, right, well, that's the end of the first half. There you go. Um, so let's just skip on to the second half where we delve deep into King of Crabs. First question, regular listeners know, isn't a question, it's a request. Please, Chris, in your own words, what do you believe King of, Cro- of Crabs to be? Well, it's a crab-themed brawler. Um, it's an open-world, real-time multiplayer game on mobile where you can uh, battle with... 50 or up to 100 other players at the same time on a, on a on a massive tropical island you can pick up funny and weird weapons and um, yeah just whack each other until you, one of you explodes in a ball of crab mush and shell and shattered shells yeah. That's... It is pretty simple from that point of view. But there's depth there. And I'm going to go into that in a moment. But uh, you talked about the real world stuff. And I realised that, you know, where how would a crab pick up a weapon? But actually there's a video out there, a well-known meme video of a crab wielding a knife. Somehow. There is indeed. And um, we discovered that when we were researching the game. And uh, it actually got quite a few hits, doesn't it? It's got it like did, yeah. It's up there. 20-odd million or something like that. And we thought, well, yeah. something funny. There is definitely something funny about a crab holding a knife. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It seems, seems a bit... Well, I think it's the redundancy of it. Like, you've got dirty great pincers. What do you need a knife for? You have... <laughs> you haven't got... <laughs> that's what I take from it. It's like... What, what are you doing? Put it down. So we thought, well, let's double down on the weaponry. Because mm. um, initially it was more going to be about the special special attacks. But we thought, no, this is... So as soon as we put the weapons in the game, it kind of took on a whole new uh, level of fun. So we... Uh... So yeah, we thought, well, if, if people share that video, then maybe um, if we make the graphics look nice and stunning, it'll be one of those games that hopefully... Uh, picks up a bit of traction with people sharing videos on YouTube and stuff and um, yeah that's that pretty much it yeah yeah okay well um, I think you summarised it pretty well you you, you you are dropped in the middle of a tropical island surrounded by other crustaceans and creatures 
against which everything wants to kill you for reasons, and then you just either do or die. And uh, 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 there's also bonuses like crates appear across the island. And uh, I do love the fact that there's a there's a larger map and a smaller map, and the larger map shows you and everyone else on that island. The little crosses moving. That's other people, not not AI. Oh no, it's other people. And uh, it's you, real people. There's no bots in yeah. this game. And when you encounter them, and you encounter someone with a name above their head, that's a person, or a crab person, or a person who's playing a crab. Anyway, and uh, yeah, it's always very exciting when that happens. Like, is it me or them? Well, I've got a dirty great hammer, so it's probably them. Anyway, that happened a few times when I got to King. I've got a hammer. Can't stop me. <laughs> um, so, as playing through King of Crabs, what I noticed is that the, the core of King of Crabs appears to be, in my view, sizing up your opponent, both actually and just sort of you know, mentally. How? What have you done? What do you think you've done in the design of Kingdom of Crabs to advertise this to the player if you've had to at all? It's actually, yeah. I mean, it is a casual game, but design-wise, it's it's actually quite complicated. We realised balancing a game with so many people on the same map with crabs of different abilities. Hmm. So we, there is an element of you either run or attack based on who, who's in front of you. Um, but we, it kind of works. Um, usually, well, you, as long as you've got a good shield, like always, make sure you've got a good shield on. Yeah. Uh, find like a shield as best as possible. Um, try and keep your your boost, which is your accelerate. Um, fully charged in case you have to get the hell out. Yeah. If you encounter a bigger, better equipped crab. Yeah, which happens. But we, we wanted to keep it simple. We didn't want to introduce a block, for example, or because for a start it's a it's a, it's on mobile and it's real time multiplier, so there's there's a there's a fair bit of lag going on. Um and that, that kind of thing where you got split second reaction, that's just not gonna work. So we wanted to keep it really simple and fun and quick and if you die it's like you can you can respawn and take revenge and yeah and there's a certain amount of randomness in the game you know with the um the timing the the critical hits you could um happen on someone with like pick on someone with low health or an npc could help you or someone else could randomly start killing the person you're trying to kill there is so it has been, a, but it has been a challenge because we didn't want people to get frustrated because you come in at the smallest size, mm. so it takes a bit of time to build up. Because obviously, as you get bigger, you get more hit points. You, you had to do more attack damage. You're faster, so mm. it's like a it's ex- exponential the uh, the benefits of being bigger. But you've got to you've got to play the game for a good five or ten minutes to get to that point where you do become a killer. So it's about surviving until you get to that point, um, which for some people I think is is a bit of a challenge. They're used to some of these casual mobile play games going straight in and doing well, but we thought no, it's a skip it with challenge, just build up and you, you scavenge like crabs do. Try and get get a good weapon here and there, take out take out the odd odd bigger crab, and then suddenly suddenly you're becoming a, a competitor. So yeah, it's been a tricky balance to make, but um, I... for me, I don't know. For me, I just went to PUBG mode, so I went okay. Well, I got to get a couple of guns, some, you know, some armor, maybe, maybe a grenade or two, some, you know, a helmet that'll do. I just went into that mode. Like I got to build up. I can't compete, so I, I ran off. Just run. I went out to the periphery. I meant to avoid everyone with a little cross. If I saw a cross approaching me, just ran off. I'm, like, I'm not having that. I'm not, I'm not going to be part of this. I'm not going to be, you know, part of your monster machine building you up for. No, that's not. That's not all about. I'll be back later. Don't worry. I'll be back. And uh, I find that very, frust- very, very um, not not frustrating at all. So I was about to say, I found that very, very um, rewarding because 
tactics you know you've got to build yourself up you've got to be a contender in order to do that you can have to be prove yourself to be before you can actually go out there and take on the uh the bigger crabs and that's great and the, the crates help a lot and again similar to PUBG, when i'm playing team play with PUBG, the amount of arguments i've had like there's a crate it's the wrong direction we're going for the crate it's the wrong place we're going for the crate um do, do, do you not agree Oh, totally. I mean, we we I mean, we we put in the the crate drops, and we made it initially. Well, we made quite a few tweaks to the the gameplay balancing um, over the last year, but because mm. it's been out just over a year now. Yeah, um, yeah. For example, the crate boxes were they had a fixed amount of hit points, so again, it favoured the bigger crabs because they like a couple of hits and they're in. The smaller one you had to keep, so we kind of flattened it so that it was just three hits, and then. And then you get a random weapon. It could be a good one. Uh, it could be a rubbish one. But that's another way to to, to balance out the gameplay with randomness. Um, and yeah, I think your, your tactic of trying to find a quiet area, building up, um, eating scraps of crab meat and fruit, and finding um, finding weapons and a shield and then uh, staying out of trouble and then when you think you're ready start taking off the smaller and medium sized players and then working your way up the, the leaderboard that way I think is sensible definitely yeah. Yeah. PUBG all the way still works everyone <laughs> but I think people can play whatever way they want um, yeah yeah sure some people just like to charge straight in and just you know on a suicide mission <laughs> basically others others are more strategic yeah yeah. Now there's a lot of activity going on on the screen. Can't be denied. Is there's a lot going on. What have you done in the design of uh, King of Crabs to prevent the player becoming overwhelmed with information? Um, it's a. I mean, do you mean the amount of players on screen, the amount of units on screen, or do no, you mean the, the HUD? It's the HUD. It's just the that inf- around the perimeter and just like telling you what you do, what you know. You got your you got your boost button and stuff like that. And also, there's a stats, very important stats on the top right hand corner about how big you are, and that kind of stuff. That's very important. And uh, you know, how many lives you've got left or respawns you've got left, I should say. And all that stuff. What have you done to? And also, while they while you've got all that, you've also got everything coming at you if you're not careful. Especially the lobsters, they're vicious. <laughs> um, they are quite nasty um, yeah. um, so you've got to be careful around lobsters um, we do I mean we do try and keep the HUD as clutter free as possible but some players like the game's quite popular in, in the Far East and they like to see all this information Right. they're used to seeing all this information whereas more casual players in um, in Europe and the US, they they would rather it just hidden. We could have hidden more, but uh, we thought there's no harm in exposing it. I mean, it, a lot of it is non-crucial information. It's just um, nice to know how many players you've killed. It's nice to know what size you are. Um, some people, like, you can minimalize the leaderboard if that's not for you either. Um, so it's it, it, it seems quite a lot, but it's it's kind of passive. You don't really need to actively keep an eye on them. Um, if if you if you don't want that extra detail, um, so hopefully it doesn't get too too baffling for the more uh, the more casual players. That's an important point you raised. Is oh yeah, this isn't essential information. I do like the percentage size though. That's good because that gives you like seventy five. Am I? Apparently, all right, okay, I'll have a go then. And then they, then they get 80 and it gets really interesting. Um, but that's what I've used, that, that we, percentage is really useful for me. I think about six months ago we added the special attacks, um, the right. crab specials, and that's when we uh, also surfaced the boost button. So before then we didn't have any HUD buttons. So ah. it was a bit more of a, a pure experience, which we like, but... I think it was starting to hold back the game because we needed some way of triggering your special attack and that's very hard without a button. So we thought, well, if we're going to add one button, 
be inconsistent not to add the boost button back. So that's when it spirals. But we 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 don't want to make games as like hundreds of buttons on screen and a virtual D-pad and all this because that, that's that that for us is not mobile. No, it should be a very clean and because clear cut experience if possible. Um, but th- but but it does creep up. You got to got to keep an eye on all those different elements because they might make sense for you. But if you're coming into the game fresh, you're going to be like. I wasn't expecting to play a helicopter simulation <laughs> game. I yeah. thought it was just going to be a little crab battle. So, yeah. yeah. I think there's a balance there, definitely. Yeah. It's quite possible to dominate the playing field for some time as the king of crabs. It's happened to me. And um, you get a little crown, which is great, by the way. The hats in the crab. We haven't mentioned the hats, but they're great. They give you little boosts. Or not so little boost depends on your point of view, and uh, they're they're just lovely. They're just perched on the top of the crabs, sort of shell. It's just it's absurd. Again, they're just crabs. Everyone, <laughs> they're not cartoony. They're just crabs. <laughs> so I say just, but they are crabs. And um, I just want to know the is that why the boss crab exists? Let's talk about that beast of a thing. I mean, we'll get rewards for taking it down. But what, what, tell us about the, the, how the boss crab, the big thing, is a bit of a beast. Or he or she, or it, is a bit of a beast. Talk us through that. It's something to challenge you. If you become king and you're, you know, you, you're killing everyone, basically, and you need that extra level of challenge, it's just another layer to say, right, well, I'm going to take him on, whichever one it might be. And um, well, that's pretty much it. We are we are building out the boss system. At the moment, they're basically just glorified um, NPC crabs with with uh, better weapons and increased stats. But we're gonna we're gonna be adding um, a variety of different bosses at some point with uh, different gameplay behaviours. So yeah. you need to think a little bit carefully about how to take them on when to take them on because um, we're always looking we're conscious that when someone has become king uh, potentially it could be a bit of an anti-climax um, when they think about going to their next game they want an, they want we should always kind of offer more and more challenge um, so that's what we're we're trying to do at the moment but see content content takes takes a quite a long time to to generate in a in a small company so no no i appreciate that i just i just really found it fascinating i mean it's the first time i encountered one and he flipped me over i mean that was pretty vicious like oh, what was this what, you know, being flipped over is quite funny because you just look your leagues are flaming around but um yeah that was quite i wasn't expecting i was just like what's that red one oh it's march let's have a look what's this about because i was just monstering everything else and I went, Oh, 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 okay. Here we go, and uh, clicked a few times, and then put, you know, flipped me over and smashed me over the head with a mallet. Lovely. <laughs> Cheers. Um, but uh, no, I just found it really quite interesting that that's what you got to do. You know, when we get to a point where your crab is so massive, and this leads me on to my last question. Actually, is the scaling. Um, it's ingenious. I love the fact that. You start off small and the world around you reflects that. Your perception of the world reflects that. But the bigger we become, the smaller the world becomes. Um, and it's wonderful because actually the camera starts zooming out. It's a subtle thing. But you're more or less the same size on the screen, but the world shrinks around you. And for me, in King of Crabs, there's a strong impetus um, for players to grow like that to so they can actually become... A contender in the in the battle of whatever is going on for to to become the king of the crab on this mythical island that you found yourself in, um, is that why when you kill something, more or less your health resets? Is that why? Um, when you kill something, your health you your health you regain all your health, is it? Yeah, well, you do it because you're eating the, the 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 flesh of the thing you've just destroyed, but 
I'm just noticing that that there's quite a common thing where I'll be down to a last sliver of health, and I'm just about I'm victorious against the combat, and then I pick up a bunch of stuff around them, and then I'm suddenly on full health. Why did you do it that way? You could have had it so it's only parcel or what have you. Is it is it just to ensure people continue on and and grow at a reasonable rate? Um. So there's a health drain factor. I don't mm. know if you've realized, but all the time, especially as you get bigger, your health drain is burning away, mm-hmm. which has been very controversial. Um, so I, I've played around with the, the health you get back from food, um, the health drain amount. And if I go one way too much, we get a shed load of complaints and I have to put it back gradually until they stop and then we do another data refresh and I think well it's too generous because I want people to be chat like I didn't want the situation where people could hang around and be king and get 10 20 million and be playing the game for two hours but that seems to keep happening because um, ideally it should be like 10 15 minutes maximum and then mm. you die and then you let someone else take the crown yeah but every time I try and balance the food and the health drain so it's becomes harder and harder and harder we get a load of complaints so it's <laughs> yeah. and I thought in the end I thought you know what it is a bit it is a bit poor you're just it is a bit lame dying through health drain and or dying because you're not getting enough food and people are killing you in a quarter quarter health so I thought well you know the community's spoken I'll uh I'll lay off for a little bit and just let them let them enjoy dominating and uh, and not being an annoying game designer by trying to spoil their fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, no, come on, give someone else a chance. No, I like wearing a crown. Fine. But uh, I have found that they've become unofficial alliances occurring on the battlefield. That does happen. Where you're actually massing on the king, that has happened. To the me. king is on the map, so you. I mean, one of one of the things I like to do is uh, see where the king is. As soon as I get a good weapon, try and take him out. I mean, yeah. you get you get more trophy points, you get more coins, and it's just fun annoying the <laughs> yeah annoying the person that thinks they're invincible, and you yeah, come sorry, up with yeah. a relatively small crab, and yeah, <laughs> one in five times you might get lucky and take him out. I think well, that was worth it. He's annoyed. Yeah, exactly. But I might be that kind of person. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, King of Crabs by Robot Squid. By the way, name of this developer, your your, your origins, where did that name come from? Well, like all good company names, it was, uh, I think it started off in a pub. Yes. Because... Pubs are the best place to come up with this kind of stuff because you, yeah. you know, you. Well, you got coasters to write on for a start. So, after a couple of pints, you let your imagination loosen, don't you? Yeah. And uh, I think we were in um, a Brewdog, a Brewdog pub. Right. And there was a there was a beer on their board. You know, they got all sorts of crazy beers, and one of them was called um, what was it called? Assassin, albino squid assassin, I think. <coughs> right. And I thought it was a ridiculous name for a beer. Beer. So I thought, but I, I think a few days later, I thought, well, because we're struggling to come up with a name for the company, I thought, I think we toyed with the albino squid, mm. or I toyed with it for a while. I thought that might be quite a good name for the company, albino squid. Mm. But then I thought the albino bit might be a bit controversial in this this day and age. Indeed, yeah. So, so I, I think we switched the uh, the albino bit out with something a bit more classic games company, a robot. Yeah. Which works quite well because you've got the, the robot, you know, hard man-made mechanical thing and you know, a kind of basically a jelly-like squid. So I think it's, it's quite a nice... Uh, Quite a nice kind of like contrast between the robot bit and the squid. But there's lots of games companies that begin with robots, so... Uh, yeah, true. At least it sounds like a games company. Yeah. Without the word robot squid games underneath. Hmm. 
But no, I'm just fascinated by names of developers. That's why I ask. Some some responses are just great. It's like yeah, but you're right. Pub origins are the greatest ideas. Uh, so yes, King of Crabs by Robert Squid is out now on iOS and Android. Is that correct? Uh, correct, and it will be there'll be a special Steam version uh, coming out at the end of the month. Nice early access, so it'll be the first. Uh, so we're going to like have a full multi-platform play. So I think it'll be really cool. You play with the joypad, high-res graphics. Um, should be should be a lot of fun. Be good to stream that. Be quite funny, I think. It'll work a lot. It's much. Yeah. I, I have to say, it it plays really well on a on a PC with a especially with a control pad. And I'm yeah. not just saying that. I'm, I know. No. <laughs> shameless plug there. <laughs> well, uh, by the time you're hearing this, it's probably out. So, um, Chris, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you very very much. Oh, thank you very much, Chris. And uh, you're more than welcome to come back because we've had return guests and uh, to chat about whatever new thing you've concocted. After. Well, we got our. We're working on our follow-up to this game, so uh, yeah. There you go. Maybe next. Maybe next year. Yeah, next year. Yeah, cool. But until then, thanks very much. Thanks. Bye. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, canonrince.com.